0: Welcome to iCommunicate on full-service radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Hello,
1: everybody. Welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show, iCommunicate, and uh, really excited to be back here in studio And with my good buddy, Ted. Ted, great to see you, man. Yeah, it's great to see you, man. So, you know, Ted, we're always asking each other these days how we're doing. And, you know, the the, the word of the day, really, to me, or the words of the day are change management, because I think we're constantly in motion of change. Doesn't it feel like that?
2: Absolutely. I sent an email this morning that said, yeah, I know, change is the only thing that doesn't change.
1: (laughs) That's great. That's great. Oh, goodness. It's the only thing you can guarantee. So, you know, I was thinking today, um, something's really been bothering me, and I decided to do the show about it today. And it's this word that I feel like we casually throw around in its leadership. Mm. And, you know, we, we give people the title of leaders. And frankly, what, what really frustrates me is when you're growing up and you're going through school, the only way you're considered a leader is if you get the title of captain of a sports team or you know, president of the National Honor Society or some specific title is what means leadership when you grow up. And I don't think people really understand what are the competencies and skills that you need to be a leader. If you got the title, you're a leader. Did, did you
2: reach into my personal head stash bag today? I did not. Because you're pushing one of my major buttons here. How come? Well, years ago, when I was a young person, to become a leader or a symbolic person that others looked to, You had to have had some achievement in your background. Some like being the captain of the football team or the baseball, the basketball, or having achieved that home run and everybody looks to you for leadership in the game. Or you stood up to authority and made a change in our civil rights. These were leaders. These were people that first achieved something, then Became a leader somewhere. I think in the late '70s, early '80s, people started to think that if you declare yourself as symbolic, then you will become a leader without having achieved anything. We used to joke and say, "Oh, you could be an expert if you read three or four books and then go on air and be an expert."
1: Well, and let's face it. In, frankly, uh, in in high school and college one of the ways you become a leader is popularity. One of the prime ways you become a leader, it's not really a gauge, but, you know, Ted, my my thing really is, and I think you captured something really important there. My thing is, is that it's, it's more about holding a position than proving a skill set or having a skill set. And, you know, I, I feel like, We could argue all day about what are the primary core competencies of an effective leader. What I'll say, though, is, to me, it comes down to one high-level umbrella thing, and, and that is your ability to motivate, develop, and engage other human beings. Like that phrase, can you motivate, develop, and engage other human beings? Now, whatever the core competencies are that you think make up leadership, here are the ones that are coming to the forefront now because of COVID. One is virtual engagement. One is remote leadership, change management, empathy, which for a long time people just laughed that one off like empathy. Well, what what are we going to do with empathy? And to do more with less, right? Because a lot of companies are facing to do more with less. So it got me thinking. You're an employee, Ted. You work at a company And you really care about career growth and your future with the company. And you prove yourself. You prove whatever job you have, you really go above and beyond expectations. And what happens? You get rewarded. You get promoted to a leadership position. A leadership position that you may not have the requisite skills to do because the previous accomplishments that got you this opportunity weren't necessarily leadership skills, right? Right. Can you can leadership skills be learned on the job? Are they innate? And it's a title that has a lot of assumptions that go with it. And I'm here to say today that this show is about we're going to talk about not about leadership in general, we're going to talk about the phrase "leading by example." Ted, what is leading? Better yet, Ted, not what does it mean to you? What do you think the general public Associates. Let's play word association. The second you hear lead by example, what does that innately mean to the general public, do you think?
2: That the person is willing to do any job that they ask another person
1: to accomplish. Interesting. So I I, I love that answer, but I, I have to argue with you on this because where I think that's an appropriate example, that's a factor of leading by example, definitely. I think most people attribute leading by example to work ethic. You know, it's like, hey, you know, are are, are you working long hours? Are you really right. committed to the job? Coming
2: in at six and leaving
1: at seven? Right, And so, and what really gets me about leading by example is that it implies something that is completely ludicrous. It implies, Ted, that... If you're leading by example here at the radio station, you have 10 people that are reporting to you. We're all noticing and observing whatever you're doing to lead by example, which that's not true at all. You with me? I got you. So this lead by example to me is often a very passive way of leadership. And I think a lot of people wear it as a badge of honor that say, hey, you know, my leadership style, I lead by example. And my point is, there's certain things you actually do want to lead by example. And frankly, I bet there's things you do as part of your communication style, confidence, that you don't want to lead by example that people are seeing. And then there's plenty of things that you do that they're just not seeing. And and are you taking your foot off the gas in coaching and developing human beings because you're crossing your fingers thinking they're going to know that you're leading by example.
2: Yeah, you can't wait. You can't wait. If, if you're going to show your group that you're responsible for, not that they're responsible to you, but who you're responsible for, and you're not in a position of service to that group, then you're not leading by example.
1: Well, and as a matter of fact, Ted, I looked up before the show today the definition the you know google definition sure, of yeah. lead by example and this is great to act in a way that shows others how to act but here's the kicker when it comes to hard work hard work yeah so so to me it all breaks down right there because work ethic in hard work is in the eye of the beholder now you know ted you've been around corporate america long enough to know that who gets recognition typically in a department? The ones that are the first people to come in and the last people to leave—that gets called out all the time. Look at so and so. Look at a hard worker they are. And I got to tell you this—this this quick anecdote, Ted. I'll never forget this because it so relates to leading by example and work ethic. I had this this girl that worked for me back in my old company, Mark Altman Associates.
2: Young woman, you mean?
1: young woman, indeed, thank you, indeed, had this young woman working for me, probably in her mid-20s, first day of work, comes into my office at 4 o'clock on her first day of work and says, can I go home? Now, we had traditional office hours, 8.30 to 5. You know, people could vary, but so I said, well, what do you mean, can you go home? She goes, well, I, I feel like my workload's been sufficient. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I, I've, I've, I've been watching everybody in the office, and I've observed, and I'm quite confident I got more done by 4 o'clock than they'll do even by 5 o'clock. And I was so taken aback. This true story. I was so taken aback, and half of me was saying, who the heck are you on your first day of work to do this? The other half of me was saying, Ben, maybe I'm missing something. Good for
2: you, yeah, right? right?
1: You know, like, wow. <laughs> but it really speaks to the point, because when it comes to work ethic, we often— equate work ethic to quantity of work as opposed to quality of work. And now more than ever in our virtual culture and remote work culture, you can't necessarily see the quantity of work because it's not right out in front of you. And so when I think of lead by example, if you're the kind of leader that leads by work ethic by putting in an amount of hours and a commitment, yeah, I guess that's good, although there's plenty of people, including me, who would argue um, work-life balance and stress and ability to really do your best in the workplace could actually be adversely, is well, adversely well, you're affected. Well, are talking about
2: productivity and the way to measure productivity against uh, the cultural appearance. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, what, I hired a guy one time for one reason and one reason only. I asked him, well, tell me what your work ethic was. And he looked back at me and says, well, if you want, I'll clean all the toilets in the building. I said, you're hired. And he said, well, what am I going to be doing? I said, you're going to be selling, baby. Okay, with that work ethic that you're willing to clean anything and get anything done to work and make money, that's what we need.
1: Well, and I got to tell you, you used – what you talked there is about cultural appearance. I love that because the appearance, right? It's how you're supposed to act and behave, the set of rules you're supposed to follow. And I just want to digress for a quick minute and give a shout-out. And I never do this, but I'm going to do it today. I need to give a shout-out to Best Buy. And here's why I'm doing it. My son, my oldest son, works at Best Buy. He's 25. And he, um, you know, obviously everything, they're not an essential store. Best Buy has not laid off, at least in in the branch he's working in. I can't speak to the rest of the country. right? But where he is... Not only have they not laid off anybody, but they are actually bringing them in, and in the time they're paying them, they're paying them to learn other skills and train in other core competencies. They're having them do some cleaning and stuff that's not fun, but they're still paying the people and giving them the opportunity to work. So I was pretty impressed, because I thought for sure my son's job was a sales job there, and I thought for sure he would be under the category of someone who would be laid off. So... (laughs) Just a quick shout-out to Best Buy on that. That's
2: a great. great piece of news.
1: Yeah. So in any event, in any event so when we come back from our, next, from our first break, this is what I want you to think about, right? I want you to think about what are typically associated, the qualities and characteristics that are typically associated with leading by example. We're going to get into those qualities, what's, why they're, I can poke holes in some of those qualities, and the qualities we really should be looking at when leading by example. This is Mark Altman for iCommunicate. We'll be back after the break.
0: Now, iCommunicate continues on full-service radio, 830 WCRN. Once
1: again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. and uh, if you'd like to call into the show, it's 508-871-7000. What's that number? 508-871-7000. So, Ted, you know, I thought your definition uh, of leading by example, which we'll call getting your hands dirty, right? Yep. You know, I'm a big sports fan, as many of our listeners know, and, you know, the funny thing about getting your hands dirty, it's interesting. I remember my youngest son had a hockey coach about four years ago. And he ran them through so many hard drills. I mean, they were dying, but you know what? He did every one of those drills with those kids. And it's funny, Ted, my old company, Mark Alton Associates, we actually, one of the services we provided was we printed and mailed tax bills, water bills, excise bills, electric bills. And so once a quarter, there was such an excess and we had bulk groups that we would have to hand fold and stuff them. And so I certainly had a staff of people that were lower-paid wage employees. I went down there at least for about 20 to 30 minutes every day and folded and stuffed some of those bills with them. And I know they always appreciate it, and I know they're grateful. And there's a big difference as a leader, right, between someone who says, I've been in your shoes, versus someone who is still in the shoes with you. And there's a lot of leaders out there who did – play every role in the company on their way up, but they've really distanced themselves and aren't doing those kinds of things. And I think they've lost their ability to relate and empathize with the people they're leading. So getting your hands dirty to me is... A good way to lead by example, show people that you're willing to do, not that you have done, you are willing to presently and currently do, even if it's once a year for God's sakes, let them see it.
2: Now, well, you're talking about the difference between uh, practicing what you preach and engagement. Yes. If you're not engaged with your employees in the work that you are dictating, then you are not a leader. You're a, a, a dictator. And, you know, you're telling people what to do as opposed to showing them what to do and showing up to do it with them. And I purposely did that with the words because that's what people will digest. They're not going to digest your words. They're going to digest your
1: actions. That's Well, and, 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 and most important, they're going to make sure your actions are consistent with your words, right? So – You know, the other things that I I find are very consistent with leading by example, one is watching what you say, controlling your communication. And, you know, that's that's a very broad uh, rule as well, because watching what you say, does that mean having boundaries? Does that mean not gossiping about people? Does that mean holding your tongue in general? It's hard, but I think that's too broad to be considered a category for lead by example. We hear about good attitude and focus. Well, good attitude, what does that mean? Good attitude means you're generally in a positive, supportive, collaborative mood on a daily basis. When can I not have a good attitude? If you're a leader and you're supposed to model and lead by example a good attitude, you know, does that mean you're you're always putting on a, a different face? You can't be yourself. You can't be authentic to who you are. So, I think these are the biggest things to really consider, is that n- things aren't black and white. We, we want to make things very black and white, and they're just not.
2: They never are.
1: They never are. And when we talk about rules to follow, anytime a rule specifically is black and white, it's destined to fail, and it's destined to have holes poke through it. Ted, I know we have a caller on the line. Uh, who do we have on the line? Thanks for calling in. Mr. Altman. Matt from Amherst, how are you today? Matt, thanks for calling in. Good to have you back on the show.
3: Hey, great, hey, great topic. Uh, you know, it's funny. We, I couldn't agree with you more that leadership is an ambiguous term. You know, leadership for one person is not leadership for another. Um, as you know, as somebody who, who's mentored people or has employed people your whole life, some people need the carrot, some people need the stick, some people need a combination of both um and, and it's not necessarily visible to all people at all times too what what some you know what, and and I'm guilty of this is is maybe you don't see what real leadership is at the time uh and, and you know I think a lot of people see that you know a lot of people will take what we would consider constructive criticism as negativity but then years down the line maybe that light goes on and you realize hey you know, Mark, gee, I thought Mark was being mean to me 10 years ago when he wouldn't let me go at four, Um, but he was really teaching me a lesson. Um, So it's, you know, I mean, I think there are so many things that go into leadership. Well,
1: Matt, I, I actually think you're making an amazing point, something I hadn't thought of in, you know, how many times when we're growing up as kids do our parents teach us something or guide us in a certain way where we're very stubborn and resistant and resentful and how many times we've gotten in our 20s and 30s and 40s have we said to ourselves, yeah, okay, I see why they were doing that. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, so my, uh,
2: my daughter came back from uh, undergraduate school with her degree and said, by the way, Dad, you have to hear it from 10 other people before you'll say, oh,
3: my father told
1: me that. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Was, well, it reminds me
3: of the, old, of the old Abe Lincoln quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but essentially it says, you know, when I was 14, my father was the biggest idiot I had ever known. And by the time I was 16, I was amazed how much he had learned.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, Matt, and one other point, too, and then I have a question for you, uh, is I think one of the hardest things about being a leader And being a parent, coincidentally, because there's so many similarities, is you don't get that instant gratification. The likelihood... When you're teaching and guiding someone, that they're going to look at you right then and there and go, Oh my God, you're so right. Thank you so much. I see the light now. It's not going to happen most of the time. It's it's about
3: 0.0%. I know. It's true. And you know what, though? I think that's one of the things as a leader you have to accept is that maybe that's, you know what? Being a leader and being a bigger than, you know, if you're a company leader, if you're the owner, you know, whatever, if you're a teacher. I, I think you have to understand that that it must hey, be. I, I can't be instant gratification. It's right. it it's hopefully be. this person gets it in ten years or whatever, and I'm not going to see it. But I get satisfaction from knowing that I planted the seed or that I you know that I tried to put them on the path.
1: So, Matt, and I know you've been in a leadership uh, position in several times in your life. So, here's my question for you: One of the things that is often associated with leading by example is respecting the chain of command. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very polarizing statement for me because, again, there's so much ambiguity to that statement. What does that mean to you in a company culture? If you're a leader and one of your team members came up to you and said, Pat, Matt, what do you mean by respect chain of command? Mm -hmm. How would you respond to that?
3: Well, boy you know that's a low, boy, that is a loaded gun, especially these days you know it, you know the first thing that comes to mind is that is that navy cap uh admiral or whoever who was released you know there I think it's one of those things that you know much like life there's no absolutes um there is a reason for a chain of command um and I think it's very valuable in some way. If you have a problem, you bring it to your superior, and then he brings it to their, his or hers and ups up the ladder. Uh, and that, has, that does have value. In one, that for the most part, you have to assume that people who are being put in these leadership positions are being put there for a reason. Now, that's not an absolute. Though, you know, the world's not perfect. There are some people in leadership positions that probably shouldn't be there. Um, but you have to expect for the most part that there's a reason that they're higher up the rung than you are at that moment but but, man
1: uh, go ahead, keep yep. going
3: uh, but I was gonna say so not only do you get more. And this is looking best case scenario, Mark. Not, you know, this isn't an absolute, but but what you hope is that hey, you bring it to your superior, and hey, maybe they have a little ex- more experience or they know something that you don't know, and it goes further up. Not only that, it, it improves communication, so everybody's on the same page, uh, and that and that's the that's the hope of it. Now, it doesn't necessarily always work out that way, but but I think that's the reason why you want it, is that okay. We all, that way we're all on the same page and we're all working towards the same goal.
1: So, so Matt, here, here's the flaw in the respect the chain of command rule, okay? And th- there's a gaping hole the size of last year's Falcons and Panthers defense, okay? The hole is that the leader has a responsibility when you follow the chain of command. So if if Ted's my boss and I'm following the chain of command, and I have a a complaint or a concern or something I want to share, the leader now has a responsibility to do something with that information. They don't have to agree with you, you know, but they should follow up with you. They should take it to their boss, whatever. And And what I'm finding in the workplace, Matt, is one of the biggest complaints I get from people I work with at different companies is the leaders don't follow through. And that yes. when employees do follow that chain of command, the leaders aren't doing their job. And that's why I think the chain of command becomes a big problem.
3: Or, or they just bury it if they don't like it. That's right. Um, or they get jealous they don't want, you know, they don't want an idea coming because they're afraid it'll make them look bad. That's it's, right. You know, hey, it's got to be my idea. Not your idea, and Mark, you're 100 percent right. I I agree. When I you know when I say those things about you, I'm talking the ideal. You know that's the plan behind it. That's why you want. It. But but much like life, you know the problem is is we're dealing with people and egos and frailties and all those things, and it doesn't necessarily work out that way. Agreed. Um, you know I mean ideally that's what you would like. You want everybody on the same page. And hey, if Mark you have a great idea, you bring it to Ted. Ted says hey. You know what, Mike? I think that's a great idea. Let's go see, you know, Paul. And you know, Paul's my boss. And, you know, but unfortunately, you know, hey, maybe Ted's having a bad day, or but Ted thinks that's a stupid idea, and just you know, puts it in the top drawer for for some time next week. So, and, okay. yeah.
1: That... So, Matt, sorry, we have to go to break. Thank yep. you again so much for the call. Love, love having you on the show. <laughs> and uh, this is Mindset Go Radio Show. I communicate. We'll be back after the break.
0: communicate continues on full service radio 830 WCRN. Once
1: again, here's your host, Mark Altman. You know, Ted, I'm, I, I got to admit, I'm pretty fired up. You know, normally I, I feel so, my confidence goes flying high when I come on the show because I know I haven't been putting mercury in the trash. Yes. But right now, Ted, here's what I'm fired up about. Okay. We have had the Lion King. We have had the Tiger King. And now, what do we have? The ventilator, ventilator king. The ventilator king. The ventilator king. I never thought I would see the day where we'd have a ventilator king. <laughs>
2: king of ventilator. This is
1: outstanding news. So outstanding you know, sitting
2: in the rain. This,
1: yeah, this. True. I want to just tell everybody. This is why it's very important to always listen to Ted's news reports, because you can learn a lot from these news reports. There's a lesson behind that. Oh, dear. So look, I, I wanna, I wanna pick up where we left off in in this segment. I wanna tell you what the biggest problem of all whether it's leadership, leading by example. I'm telling you, I'm going to pinpoint this. I will argue with anybody to their death. This is the biggest problem of all. So think about this for a minute. We're talking about chain of command. And another expression we always say is it all starts at the top. Ted, if I had a nickel for every time a company called me on the phone and said, we need you to come in and help our sales team, we need you to come in and help our leadership team, whether it's at manager level, director level, whatever, and they'll tell me all the things wrong and all the areas they need help. And then and then we'll talk for a while and I'll say, okay, just for curious, will the C-suite level team be sitting in on these trainings? No. No, they they're they're not going to be able to do that because they've got too many other things going on. Oh. So I'm just curious to understand where this group of people may have learned these difficulties from. And are the people that are managing them at a higher level modeling this behavior? That you expect them to model to create the company culture and to create teamwork and collaboration, all these things. And like, yeah, you make a good point. That's the problem because right now, I will tell you, is it's the ultimate do as I say and not as I do. And you know, if if is I was Ted, I was watching um, last week a two-hour documentary on Prince. And boy, I mean, I'm an, like I like Prince. I'm not like a huge fan. But I was absolutely blown away by his life story. And one of the things that came out was his father was a minister who told him no drinking, no smoking, no this, that. And then he talked about growing up, he saw his father violating these behaviors all the time. So the real problem is if you are a, a C-suite level executive, and you are asking the people below you to lead, whether it's by example, however you're asking them to lead, and you're not making sure you're practicing that at your level, realize this. You're asking someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself, and that is an enormous ask. Am I right?
2: You know, unless a person is prepared to model the behavior they intend to impose, then they should not be in this kind of leadership position, period.
1: And, and here's, the, here's the deal, Ted. My, my, my father was the son of a, a, an abusive alcoholic father. And it really impacted and limited his abilities to parent in certain ways. Now, that's not to say he wasn't a good father, but it did impact and limit his abilities to parent. So what happens as we grow up and we go through generations? We have baggage from our parents. They have baggage from their parents. And the cycle continues. Someone has to break the cycle. At some point, if your mom or dad didn't do something that you think should have been done, you have to stand up and go, all right, well, that's not how I was taught, but I'm going to do it differently. And what we're really asking people at a leadership level below C-suite, and perhaps c suite is we're asking them to break the cycle. We're asking them to reprogram and say, look, the bigger picture is don't do as I say and do as I do. And in that case, we don't want to lead by example, right? So this is what I'm talking about. In this case, leading by example is terrible.
2: You know, I can tell that the 20 years between your age and mine has produced an extremely different experience in the corporate world. Uh, Let me just point out that 20 years ago, if I had walked in after being requested to counsel other than C-suite personnel and addressed the problem in that way, I would not be invited back. 20 years later, they say, well, maybe we should think about this. There, there may be something to what he's saying. That wasn't the way it was 20 years ago, and you should applaud yourself for the work
1: you're doing. Well, thanks, Ted. I appreciate that. You and know, the I, other thing is, wait a minute, I'm no, done go with on, Please, you, okay? please, please.
2: The other thing is, is that now you're expected to deliver circumstantial facts in order to support your proposition for change. Yeah. Change was made by edict back in the day. There was no circumstantial evidence that you could provide or anecdotal evidence as to why it would work. Uh, Leaders were never required to justify their actions. Leaders were never allowed really, to be seen sweating. They came out, make an appearance, lay down a law, and then get back to work. And they disappeared into their ivory tower. That has changed a lot. So, you know, the environment you're working in is so much better. I don't know, you know, now you look at it from where we are now, it can still get a lot better.
1: Yeah, I, you got my wheels turning, Ted. I mean, I what's interesting is... You know, and look, I'm 48, so you know I, I've been yeah, I'm in 62. Okay, so you know I can speak to the last 25 years or so. Um, what's interesting to me is it feels like the word inspiration is much more important today than it used to be. It was almost like back 20, 30, 40 years ago, people went to work, they did their job, they were paid for their job, and they went home you weren't necessarily we didn't necessarily care if you were passionate about your work if you had all these ideas it just go to work and do your job
2: cog in the wheel
1: yep now that to me is the biggest difference the need to inspire and motivate and influence and, and i and i'm just going to say this cuz i know our listeners may be thinking it and i want to dispel the elephant in the room it's not the millennials fault so if you're just sitting there and thinking, well, I'll tell you what, the change is. It's those <laughs> damn millennials. No, it's no,
2: not.
1: It's not the millennials' fault. Culture has changed. Life has changed. Demands have changed. Uh, instant gratification is more important than it ever has been. So I, I think you're right, and I think it's, it's just so difficult to me in life for someone to tell you this is how you need to do this If they're not doing it themselves, it's such a big ask. You're
2: absolutely right. And that's what made, even back then, 25 years ago, what made a genuine leader was someone who was in the trenches every day. And you'd turn around and say, oh my God, that's the president of the company. And you'd sit up straight and you'd belt it out. But he was on the phone or she was on the phone dialing with you, talking to the customers in front of the... uh, in, in front of the staff.
1: Well, and, and Ted, you know how you know what the anal- analogous thing is to that because I, I love that is now we're trying to get C-suite people to come down from their perches and just interact with the lower levels. So before it was in the trenches, do the work. Now we're happy if they're just coming down and acknowledging them and connecting with them. If that's that's the drop.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's a disconnect, unfortunately. And I think it's cost us. It's cost us in the way that the new generation, that older people call the millennials, you know, they blame somebody. It's because of this culture shift, the expectation of your cultural position, and whether you're a cog or a leader or you're considered a potential, you know, hot and tot, whatever it is. You know, people are not willing to just be the cog in the wheel. No.
1: That's, that's the difference. It's, it's being a cog in the wheel and, being, and, 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 and feeling like it's not settling. Right, Ted? Right. So let's talk about from a, from a simple term, you know, what are – we hear the words engaging and empowering, right? So to me, from a simple definition, when you talk about engaging and empowering, there's three rules I have, okay? Rule number one is – Set expectations. And what I mean by that is, what do you want from your team? Are you able to provide knowledge transfer? I find this knowledge transfer concept to be such a difficult thing for people, especially across generations, because if you're an older generation, there's an attitude of, well, if I'm transferring knowledge, are they going to need me anymore? Am I going to be replaced? Is that going to put me out of the job? Right. And if you're a younger generation, you feel like, well, there's probably a better way to do that. And what do they know? And how can they really help me?
2: Right. They, they have no idea.
1: So, But as a leader, when you talk about leading by example, being clear in what your expectations are for your team, communicating and getting that buy-in, it's looking in the mirror. And we talk about this on the show all the time. At a high level, it's emotional intelligence. At a low level, it's self-awareness, damn it. You know, can you be self-aware of the examples that you're setting that aren't being followed? Can you be self-aware of the examples that you're setting that aren't the right examples? And can you be aware of the examples you're setting that are being followed by some and not enough others? And Ted, I ask this question when I work with schools and I do professional development for teachers. the million-dollar question. You're teaching a class of 25 people. How many of those kids have to look disengaged or disinterested before you would modify what you're doing? Mm. I ask that question all the time. I get a million different answers, but I will say this. The best answer I've got so far, and I'm not saying it's the right answer, but it's, in my mind it's the best one, is the, the guy says, I look at all the quadrants of the room, left, middle, right, and if there's someone from each quadrant that looks disengaged, that tells me I need to modify what I'm doing. Okay. It's something.
2: Well, uh, from the old school point of view, there used to be this game called Telephone. Yes. And, you know, I would be asked by a CEO, Ted, come in. I got a problem in the company. There's this rumor mill and people don't seem to be communicating. It's all disjuncted. And I said, well, have you ever played the game of Telephone? And they'd say, well, yeah, we did that back in camp. And I said, I want you to try that with your company. I want you to formulate a statement i want you to say it to one person and when it comes back to you i want to know if you think it's the same message and there you will know immediately what your company culture
1: problem is yeah and it still works by the way well and, and i think there's a, there's an attitude sometimes of leadership and we're going to talk about this burden heading into our final segment but there is an attitude That if if you're managing a team of ten and seven of the ten get it, then I don't have time to help the other three because the majority get it. So, I'm. This is Mark Altman for ICommunicate, and we'll be back for our final segment after the break.
0: Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, eight thirty WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman.
1: Welcome back to the show. And uh, you know, I just you know, I get I get a lot of emails and questions. So I just want to let everybody know a few things before we wrap up here today. Number one, mailbag. The um, our webinars. We've been doing weekly webinars on a variety of topics. We did one this week on trust and remote relationships. We do sales webinars. We've done some emotional intelligence, respond, react stuff. Our webinars are posted on YouTube. So if you want to catch any of our webinars, and sometimes we post them on social media. The radio show, uh, we upload to Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud to listen to, if anybody wants to listen to replays of the radio show. Mark cannot hide. We, yeah, that's so true, Ted. Um, And also, uh, if you want to find out about future events, you can go to our events page at Mindset Go. We have four webinars coming up in May, and we always post where I'll be speaking and presenting. So please, if you want to check out any of that stuff, you've got YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Mindset Go, so on and so forth. So look, the burden of being a leader. You know, at some point, you got to step up and stop complaining. You know, it's not easy. No one, no one is not going to empathize with the difficulty and the responsibility that goes with being a true leader, whatever that means. You know, no one... And the challenge is that you have a responsibility, just like a teacher has a responsibility to every student, just like a parent has a responsibility to every child, you have a responsibility to everybody on your team. And it is a burden. There's no running from it.
2: And you have to accept delayed gratification. You ha-
1: that's Ted, that's so critical. You have to accept delayed gratification. And look, sales, you know, sales – it's all about accepting delayed gratification. It could go on. It could, it's getting no gratification at many times, but it's delayed gratification. So the question is, how do you know if you're doing your job as a leader? Well, we can use KPIs and we can use goals and we can use metrics. Those are certain standards. And by the way, I'm not going to get too deep into this today, but I rail against exclusively using those as measuring sticks because it turns people into robots
2: yeah, and they can also uh, be indices that you can manipulate.
1: That's right, totally. So, how do you know it's working? And I'm going to tell you, the one of the most critical elements of being effective in communicating is teach others how to do it and why they need to do it. Now, that might seem obvious, but you know, one of the big things you hear about leadership is micromanaging. And I'm going to tell you, Ted, I, I have discovered in the last couple of months, I've really discovered one of the biggest challenges for leaders when it comes to communicating, and that is many leaders can't discern between micromanaging and setting expectations.
2: That's not how I told
1: you to do it. Right? And so it's the same it's, as assertive yeah, and aggressive. It's,
2: it's It's really something.
1: So, you know, when you're teaching someone how to do something and you're telling them how you want them to do it. Your way. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to deal with it. Your way. You're telling them how you want them to do it. Your way. And people have so much baggage. Like I talk to so many leaders and say, well, I don't want them to think I'm micromanaging. And I said, there's a simple solution to this. When I teach people how to do things and why I want them to do it, this is exactly what I say, Ted. I say, look, this is how I want you to do this. This is why I want you to do it this way. With that said... If at any point you repeat this action, task, project, or activity, you feel you've come up with a better way, I want to hear about it. I want to know. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can be very direct and assertive and set expectations so there's no ambiguity. And you can also empower people, if they have innovative ideas or better solutions, to speak up when they do. It's not an and or.
2: Yeah, at a a radio station like this one, Procedure and process is extremely important. And whenever I train somebody here, I, I say to them, every word you just used, but I add something at the end. Yes, if you have a great idea, please bring it to us. But until we tell you to change the process,
1: do that, it the that's way That's how you're showed. doing it. That's how you're doing it. And so, Ted, when, when, you know, when we talk about leading by example and modeling, by modeling behavior, here's the problem. We'll go with just back to where we started today, work ethic. It's most attributed to work ethic. So if you're a leader and you're the first person in the last one to lead, to leave, and, oh, that was a Freudian slip. That was slip. great. That was a,
2: right, we can use that well, one later. Right? And I'll it to tape.
1: So if you're the first one in last one to leave, and then half of your staff are clock punchers based on the never So I guess you're not leading by example then. Because half your staff is clock punchers, so what you're doing, I guess, isn't working. Is that, is that the message? You know, I, I don't think that's the message. I think the message is that you have to be self-aware as a leader of the behaviors you exhibit and model and demonstrate every single day. You have to be aware of the ones that you think could de- be detrimental to individuals or your team as a whole. You've got to be aware of the ones that are having an impact And pay attention to those and continue those. You've got to be aware of when you need to adapt your behavior because, let's face it, we always, as a leader, as a parent, you always have to stay one step ahead. So there are times when you need to adapt. And then you have to be aware of the ones that you know not only that you need to change, but the ones that you don't necessarily have the core competencies or skills to deliver. That's self-awareness. Being able to identify, you know what? I know I am not doing this, and frankly, I'm not sure how. And the way, or I've never been trained how. And then you got to go get help, and then you got to go get a coach, and then you got to, or go get a mentor, or then get some training. And I got to tell you, Ted, I am getting more inquiries right now for coaching and training, and I'm shocked. But what I'm realizing is people are looking at this COVID crisis with a lot of downtime that a lot of industries are having as a time to build up their skills and learn. And so, look, I I spent, honestly, Ted, if I had to figure out how much time this took me, I spent probably about two weeks creating homegrown assessments on communication skills, assertiveness, emotional intelligence, leadership competencies, sales competencies, that I created these assessments and I did this Because I was never a fan of the assessment that rated you based on a certain point total. Oh, you're 15 to 20, you're smart. 10 to 15, you're kind of smart. 5 to 10, you're stupid. I never liked that. So I created these assessments to identify gaps in your skills and your knowledge and leadership competencies. Reach out to me. I can give you one of these assessments to understand where you would need coaching and where you need help. Attend my webinars. The webinars I'm doing right now are free. Inquire about doing some virtual training for you and your team or your company. It's time to advocate for yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And we all really need to do our best. There's there's an there's an acronym that really speaks to who I am as as a teacher, and that's it's pronounced A. It's spelled C-A-N-E-I. And it stands for continuous and never-ending improvement. And that's, that's how I live my life as a father, as a brother, as a coach, as a trainer, as a friend and a colleague. And that's what we need to do. And I have to tell you, we've spent so much time today about, a final thought is we've spent so much time talking about leading by example, which implies managing down. But guess what? Leading by example is managing sideways and up also. Next week, when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion and we're going to talk about other elements that are important leading by example, also, though, for sideways and up. So, thank you for joining us for another edition of I Communicate. Please follow us on social media to reach out to me personally, 978 206 1535. You can email us at infomindsetgo.com. At Have a wonderful, safe week with your friends, family, and company. And we'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday, or talking to you next Thursday. Ted, thank you so much for everything as always. Thank you, brother. I'm Mark Altman, signing off.
0: You've been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.